Welcome to Doing It Right, the stories that make us brought to you by Valerie and Company. You'll hear fascinating stories from successful leaders who have lived life doing it right. Most interview shows focus on how someone became successful, how they made it happen. We think it's important to know what happened to make it happen. It's about the journey to become a leader and hearing personal experiences that form their character, drive, impact, and influence. Their stories and authenticity will inspire you. Now, here's your host, national news contributor and founder of Valerie and Company, Valerie Sokolowski. Well, hi, and welcome to our show today. Have you ever had those situations at work or in life where you've just had to use pure grit to plow through? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today with my guest, Heather Herndon Wright, and let me tell you a little bit about Heather. Heather is a very respected uh, professional who currently is the Director of Supply Chain Diversity at Vistra Energy. So I just want to start with that. Grit, Vistra Energy. You know, Energy Future Holdings was, according to research, the biggest bankruptcy in the history of the United States. And you used pure grit to channel the waters, make it as smooth as possible for you and your team. A lot of people left. So how did you do that? Tell us a little bit about that journey. I think it's interesting. I tell you, it was it, it, interesting would be a, a <laughs> small word, but it was also very educational. I had a friend of mine at the time that said, it's sometimes good, it's good to do things sometimes. Sometimes it's good to have done them. Mm. It's one we've done. I never want to do it again, but it was very educational, and particularly from a supply chain perspective, hmm. because I, I think every supplier, every business owner in America should take a, bis- a bankruptcy 101 course just Ooh. to know what to look for how to handle it if they're coming into a bankruptcy, working with a company where they want to partner through it. Mm -hmm. This was not a a Chapter 13. We weren't filing to go out of business. It was not about bad business management at all. It was a result of Chapter 11 restructuring, and it was a result of the industry, of the technology disruption, fracking, Mm. and, and economics, and just the power prices dropping as significantly as they did, as quickly as they did. So it was something that had to be done. However, we have emerged as Vistra Energy as the strongest in the industry right now. We're in acquisition mode. And so it's, we've kind of gone from, from one issue that, is, that it requires grit to now yeah. a whole other issue that requires grit because where we used to have one power, or 15 power plants in one state mm-hmm. with one retail electric provider, we're now in 13 states, 55 power plants with three retail electric providers. And yet we're, we're saving money mm-hmm. and trying to um, create synergies. So we're not adding staff necessarily. We're certainly not spending more money. We're trying to decrease that and meet market expectations. So it's, it's taken a whole nother, it's, we're learning a new set of skills. I'll bet. We're, we're working well with others and playing well with others <laughs> and trying to integrate those systems. We have a great CEO, a great leadership team. I'm very, very blessed to work with a great management committee that is very supportive of our efforts in supply chain diversity. So we're able to bring that into the, the, the new business and how we're growing the business. It's, it's been a great opportunity for me. I'll bet you have learned a lot. So you talked about especially learning in supplier diversity. So for those who aren't completely clear of what all that means, what is it you do? So my job is basically to work with companies that are owned by minorities, veterans, women, mm-hmm. and small businesses in addition mm-hmm. to that of, of 
all shapes and sizes, um, to try to identify ways to bring them into our supply chain for a corporate supply chain. So to create opportunities for bidding, mm -hmm. to help them become competitive if they come in at first and maybe they're not of the size and scale to really be able to be competitive, working to develop those companies so that they can compete for our business. And one of the things that we found is they really do drive additional cost savings and innovation. Well, it, hmm. it's not compliance driven. It's we do it for the market. We do it because we know our customers want that. That's who our customers are. Our customers are now businesses that are owned by minority women and veterans. So we really do look yes. to how do we recycle those dollars mm -hmm. and bring in those companies so they can buy more of our electricity mm -hmm. to help drive their company so they can drive down our prices to drive additional electricity sales. So it really is mutually beneficial for all of us in the supply chain. And, and I get to do that. I get to help create jobs every day in areas where, where traditionally they may not have had access or opportunity to even come in and show us the innovation. And it drives business value for Vistra, and it drives the economic development of those companies and those communities. So let's talk about uh, the drive for the drive. You've been involved with diversity and inclusion efforts for a long time, Heather. Uh, I was very impressed with the fact that you were one of the founders of the women-owned business now national certification organization, and it started right here in Dallas, Texas, right? And it, it started out of some smaller women that were based here in Dallas, yes. Okay, so there's a story, there's a video or an, uh, an audio on that whole history, but you were on the ground. So let's go back to grit because how long ago was this when when that started so that was a little over 20 years ago now uh -huh. and it started where um, there were efforts women had been part of the minority business programs and organizations across the country for many years okay. they didn't have gender specific it was just ethnicity specific and there got to a point where there needed to be a gender-specific organization as well for women of all colors. Hmm. And so, and because there's a difference between a male-owned company who may be a husband and wife that are both African-American or Hispanic or Asian or American Indian, right. and a husband and wife-owned company that might be Anglo. So what we tried to do is create an organization that really looked at the gender ownership of a company mm -hmm. and, and create the certification for that that verifies that they're at least 51% or more owned, controlled, and operated, not just ownership, mm -hmm. but that the women are, are running, owning, and leading these companies. Mm -hmm. And so that's what we did was looked at how do we create a national organization. And there were, at least at the time, four other organizations across the country. So that's why I say some some cut states would argue it all started in Dallas, but okay. this is where the impetus came from. Right. Um, there were four other in Louisiana and Michigan, uh, or Louisiana, Ohio, and in Chicago. And Chicago had been certifying women business development, uh, the Women Business Development Center had been certifying women businesses for many years. Oh. And so between them and Dallas and Louisiana Council and the Ohio Council, those were the first four regional affiliates that created this national organization. Now we have 14, mm -hmm. and it is a robust organization with over 13, almost 14,000 certified women business enterprises across the country now. Mm -hmm. So I, as a supply chain professional and my team, can go into a database and search based on criteria. We're looking for size. We're looking for location. We may be, obviously, what they do. Mm -hmm. Certifications, other certifications they may have if it's in technology if it's in mill spec specifications, whatever we're looking for in manufacturing or anything. Mm -hmm. So it takes a lot of time out of our search, a lot of the cost out of our supply chain to be able to have that as a tool mm -hmm. to identify the best, brightest, most qualified, capable, and competitive businesses that happen to be women-owned. And we have similar organization, another organization we're on the board of for the national 
Minority Supplier Development Council. So for minority businesses, mm -hmm. and I'm in the process now. We're in the process now, and, and on the ground again, founding a national again. a national veteran business organization to do the same thing. Grit. So we're excited <laughs> about that. We are excited to help serve our veterans in this country. So you know, for those people, and there are a lot who have no idea about uh, getting certified. I I am a woman-owned business, and um, when I share that with other women-owned businesses who don't have a clue that there's any organization or what it would mean to them, I, I'm truly amazed that they're, they don't know. And so for those listeners who don't, and if you do own a business and you are a woman, uh, I think you ought to look into it. And it's, uh, you, can, you can get back to Heather or I after the show, Valerie and Company, or Heather, you're at Vistra Energy, Energy to find out more about it, right? But it is a good, it's good certification. It does make a difference. So I know as a woman owned business that I can go to companies for my consulting business and leadership development training programs. And I can say, by the way, I am a woman owned business. And most of the time, major corporations go, oh, and I get put a little bit higher on the list. So, so it's, it's good. But let me go back to, that grit. Where does this passion and this determination to, to plow through come from? Well, so I think with me, it, it started back, I, I was a single mom with two children, had come through an abusive relationship, and had three years of college. Mm -hmm. Had to go back and get that fourth year. So I was fortunate. I was very fortunate to have family support to be able to do that. You had two kids at the I time. Had two children, uh, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And so I, wow. I went back to school, got the degree, and I had always wanted to be president of the United States and ultimately <laughs> a Supreme Court Chief Justice. I had a very focused plan and then veered off. So never, I'm not dead yet, could still happen. But I, I got back and went back to school. I was very fortunate. My parents talked me into going back to school and getting that degree. It's very important to have education mm -hmm. in addition to experience. Mm -hmm. So I kind of worked my way through. I was a political consultant at the time. Had just run the chief justice of the Texas Supreme Court's re-election campaign. And so I was going to go ahead on to law school. At the last minute, decided, you know, let me go ahead. I got my degree. Got that last 30 hours. Good. Let me go on to law school. Applied to the only law school I can that was local. That way I'd have my family to help support the two children that I had mm -hmm. and, and just go right on through. Well, the problem was even with a letter of recommendation from the Supreme Court Chief Justice of the state of Texas, as well as graduating top of my class and high LSAT scores, I didn't get in. And really? So, yeah. Because the, because the Chief Justice had written me a letter of recommendation, he was a little upset that I had not gotten in. So he I got me an interview with the dean to see what I could have done differently. Sure. And so I went in and talked with him. and. Bottom line was, I applied a little bit too late in the cycle. They had already accepted their quota of white females. And I'm Native American, but I hadn't put that on my application. So as if he said, if you apply now, we'll get you in at the top of the class for next semester. But I had two kids to support. I, I didn't have the time to do that. So my mama raised me, if you have a headache, take an aspirin. If not, quit your bitching. <laughs> so I didn't like this diversity thing at all. Didn't like quotas, didn't like set-asides. Uh -huh. Actually, I still don't like that because I think they tend to drive bad business decisions and it's not sustainable. Right. So I went ahead and got into diversity, supplier diversity specifically, looking at how do we help grow companies that are minority women owned at the time. Now mm -hmm. we've added veterans, LGBTQ, people with disabilities. We've added other categories to that. 
but really got into it to see, okay, how can we fix this? So it's really business driven. Mm -hmm. Because I did believe the more, the more competition you have, the more you're gonna drive savings, the more you're gonna drive innovation. The qu that's the beauty of America, right? Is that we're an open market. So the more competition we have, the better results we're gonna get. So I, I wound up going into supplier diversity, went to work for the uh, Greater Dallas Chamber of Commerce, ultimately then to DFW Airport Board, really learned certification at that point and how you, how you put um, federal regulations in place with what a certified minority or woman-owned business is. Mm -hmm. And we're now applying that to veteran businesses as well. So really working through that process and then ultimately went into the Women Business Council, North Texas Women's Business Council at the time, now the Women's Business Council Southwest. And there, from there went to corporate. So and, and, and with the, in the telecom industry before the telecom bust. And then after that, went into my own business, decided, okay, let me see if I can do this myself, Goodness. which I will always admire entrepreneurs. I do not like it. I am not an entrepreneur. It was good. I was successful for three years, made enough money to put food on the table. But I really prefer the corporate side where, I can, where the corporations pay you to bring, bring in the minority and women-owned businesses and the veteran businesses that can be competitive for our business. So I, I love what I'm doing now. I've been doing it for about 27 years. And, and I really do think we now, as a country, are not anywhere near as compliance-driven as we are market-driven from our supplier diversity efforts. We're really looking at those companies that can bring us the best value. You know, <laughs> it's been said about you, and you've just sort of reiterated it, Heather. Uh, someone called you an evangelist, an evangelist. What would you say about that? <laughs> so I think that's probably accurate in in many areas of my life. I am, I am a woman of faith, of strong faith, but I really do believe that when you know something and you know that it's right mm -hmm. and you can communicate that and influence people with it, with data. I'm a big data junkie too. I wanna know, you know what are the statistics behind sure. our women-owned business, minority-owned businesses? What do they bring? How much do we spend? What percentage is, is attributable to cost savings over maybe what the utilization is? So I, I really do believe that um, if you believe in something truly believe in it deeply and it, it's at the core of your being and the values that you bring to the conversation mm -hmm. that we're all evangelists what be for good or bad mm -hmm. whatever it is that we believe in we're all evangelists mm -hmm. so for me my my passion has really been growing these businesses my granddaughter asks me you know grandma what is it that you do <laughs> and how do you explain supplier diversity to a, a right. nine-year-old right right so I, I tell her it's I get to create jobs for a living. There you That's go. That's what I do. I That's go into it. places where there might not otherwise have been opportunity and help grow these businesses so they can hire more people, so they can feed their families, so they can go off and do what they want to do. So at the end of the day, when you put your head down on your pillow, and you know you've been successful, clearly, all through all of these situations and, and uh, companies that you've worked for, what is it you're most proud of? So, you know, um, I, would, I would challenge that I've always been successful because I would say, actually, one of the things I'm probably most proud of is my failures and hmm. the ability to get up and go again after that because I, I, am, I'm a, I am an early adopter and a, a risk taker. Mm -hmm. I think, again, when it's something I believe in, I don't do it without data behind it, but many times it, it takes that evangelist to take things forward where other people are hesitant to do it. So often you'll fail or you won't be able to influence the people that you want influenced the first time around. I don't believe in no. I believe in not Ooh. yet or maybe not this way. Okay. It may be at another time. But I think if you're, I, I, you know, one of my quotes that I tell my suppliers is talent is necessary, mm -hmm. but timing is everything. So you really need to have that value proposition mm -hmm. and you need to deliver it to the right time 
at the right time to the right person in the right place. Mm-hmm. So I think that's doing things right, right? <laughs> so I think that's what's the most critical thing. And many times you're going to fail along the way. And another, I live by quotes. Another one of the quotes that's really shaped my life was from my daddy, who probably at the top of his lungs told me, a steering ship is easier to, to uh, or no, a moving ship is easier to steer than one that's dead in the water. In other words, get up and move, do something. <laughs> kind of goes with my mom's quote about the, you know, picking up what I need to be doing. So I think those are two of the things that have really, just do something. You see something out there that needs to be done. You have a solution for it. Do it through the proper channels. Don't just go off the rails. Do it through the proper channels. But go do it, mm-hmm. even if nobody else is doing it. Find something that needs to be done that you can create a solution to and go and do that, whether you do it as an entrepreneur, whether you do it as an employee, whether you do it as a mother, whether you do it as a friend, anything that needs to be done that you see, you can do. My, my, we, we do a lot of volunteer work in our family over, over the holidays. And a couple of years ago, my granddaughter had seen, we were actually down at Fair Park, mm-hmm. and they do a Christmas thing where we all, we donate a bike, and they have this little bike mart, then they have a food area where you can bring it, where they give away food. So the families that come through, they get a whole Christmas meal, they get Christmas presents for the kids, they get clothes for the family, and so they have a lot of volunteers that will come and kind of help make sure that everybody gets what they need, and nobody gets too much, nobody gets too little, and everybody gets a sufficient amount. I like that. Well, the place all the kids want to work, of course, is in the bike mart. Of course. So they can help give away bikes to sure. other kids that come through Uh and and Eiffel is my granddaughter's name she was working in the bike mark she saw over in the food line that there were uh, there was a uh, an area where they could get potatoes and there was no there was one person handing them out and people the line was kind of getting backed up and because there was nobody there literally to rip the bags of potatoes open so that they could hand out two or three potatoes to (laughs) each person. No one liked potatoes. (laughs) Well well the people liked potatoes they were in line to get them but they couldn't get them out quick enough because nobody was helping it wasn't the sexy job to Uh do right. There you go. So she said hey grandma would it be okay if I go over there and help them open those bags of potatoes so the line goes faster. Mm -hmm. And I just was so proud of her at that moment and I said you know what go ask the lady that was over there, the volunteer, ask her if it's okay if you do that. But yeah, I think that'd be great. They could definitely use the help, and I'll be over in a minute. I'll come help you. So we went over and just ripped bags of potatoes after that. How I, old is Eiffel? So she was nine at the time. Nine She's twelve years old. today, mm. but she was she was nine at the time, and I, I just so admired that in her mm-hmm. that she would see something that needed to be done and just go do it. She asked first, mm-hmm. but go do it. And that's what I think for emerging leaders everywhere. That really is just finding those things that need to be done creating a solution to that, getting the right permission and the right path to go get it done, but go do it. Just do it and do it right. Hmm. Well, that's an interesting statement, doing it right. All right. Uh, so I'd love to take it back to your mama and your daddy and those <laughs> quotes. Um, are you giving quotes that are your quotes now to your family? Oh, yeah. I have to my, my, my daughter, who's now 34 years old, son, and my son, the all the kids and uh-huh. then and then now the grandkids I've got four grandkids so I know for me that's what helps me remember things and for whatever reason when I'm in a time of stress that's what comes back to me scriptures and quotes mm-hmm. that's what will come back to me to help me make my decisions on which path I want to take or what I want to do and sometimes it's just be still sometimes we just need oh, to wait that's interesting that was the hardest one for me to learn I'll I'm bet. still learning it I haven't learned it yet but sometimes that's what the answer is just be still not be still. now you know, I'm thinking about um, how many people say today, oh, I can't do this or that. Well, I have to ask permission. Well, that wouldn't be the right thing to do to take a risk. Or, well, uh, it wouldn't serve me. Almost a, almost a fear factor of I might lose my job, you know. And you've been through that, those things too. What would you say about that? In today's world, how do you find those places that 
someone isn't doing something and you see a need and you're saying just go do it but maybe listeners are thinking yeah right easy for her not for me so I think that if any of us take the time to sit down and look at a situation we we will have 18 different opinions on how that should be resolved you can listen to any talk show, right? <laughs> right, yeah. And we will sit and listen to those talk shows, and we will talk to the TV and tell them exactly what they need to be doing. <laughs> so I think that's our instinct is really to find something and oh. fix it. I think people in general are fixers. So we just need to take that time to sit down and look at something, be still long enough to look at what's out there and say, this is something that I know does need to be done. Nobody's doing it right now. Here's a solution I have. Let me not go complain about something just because it's not being done right. Oh, that's a good one. But let me always come with a solution. I see this isn't being done. Mm -hmm. I think this is something that could be done to fix it. Would you allow me to do that or put a team together that will do that? Mm -hmm. Or at least evaluate it and see what could be done about it because clearly it's a problem for the company, for the organization I'm in, for my family, whatever it may be. If you can take the time to look at it and just intentionally mm -hmm. think about what's, what need, could be done better. Sometimes it's not even broke, broken, right? Mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Or, right. or if it's not Another quote. whatever the other one is. <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's not even broken, but it could be done better. Better innovation. Yeah. So mm -hmm. look at it and say, you know what? And I have a solution to that. And then put a team together that can address that and, and articulate it, communicate it, uh -huh. write it down, but get it done. I like that. And, you know, what comes to my mind, too, as you're saying that, Heather, is to, well, first of all, love what you said about don't complain, right, yes. and uh, find a solution, think about it, think about what could happen, and maybe even come with a couple of options. Yeah. You know, I've thought about it, and uh, this is one option, and this is another option. I mean, what boss wouldn't like that? I, yeah. We know they would, right? Yes. <laughs> People aren't doing that. Mm -hmm. So come to the table, show up with presence and that's part of having, that's part of being a professional and standing out from the crowd and, and showing that you're a strong brand, no matter what age you are. Um, and ask yourself too, like I said to you, you've been called an evangelist. Ask yourself, wonder what one word people would say about me. What would that be? And there's another word I know about you that also has been said, and that's the word zest, zest for life. So okay you want to be the president you wanted all these things so what's next for heather oh my goodness uh, you know i'm i am so busy doing what i love right now i don't know I, you know what i am not dead yet could still be president could still be <laughs> supreme court justice or Might vote for you don't know could still happen uh -huh. but i'm i am loving what i do right now you know one of the other things that i would say to my, my brand of leadership is very much servant leadership so I make it a point every day to try to find somebody else I can build up, mm. somebody whose, whose arms I can hold up, who's somebody who I can promote, maybe sometimes just somebody that you can encourage that you know is really discouraged that day. But I know it blesses me. So, so I'm at a place now in my life where I'm really looking at how I can build other people mm. and how I can help them come up as well. Because I've, I have been so blessed, and I do believe you're blessed to be a blessing. And that, that makes my life joyful when I know I'm impacting somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. So, and I think that does come from that servant leader mentality, not being prideful. You know, as you bring a solution to somebody, particularly if you're managing up, right? right you don't want to come with, I have the answer to this and this is what we need to go do. It's much more, how can you make your boss look good? How can you help the company look good? Here's where I think we can do it. And very much a humble attitude of service and of, and of being a servant to, to 
lead the company to where it can be a better place. So that those are the things that I'm doing now, and then wherever it takes me, it takes me. Well, as you said, you can be an encourager every day. You know, when was the last time anyone said to you during the day, gee, you look great today, or good job, or, I mean, but we can do that for other people, mm -hmm. even if it's like this morning, getting a bottle of water and saying, hey, what's your name? I mean, the lady this morning when we got a bottle of water to come yeah. in here, yeah. she was totally she surprised was that we even said, and what's your name? Like, I'm a real person. Yes, you are. Yes. I have to believe that there are some <laughs> quotes or whatever you want to say that I'm going to call teachable points of view, T-P-O-V. Uh, and by that I mean, I'd love for you to share three or four things you'd like to leave with people listening today that are, are things that anyone can teach and say, you know, keep these things in mind as you are growing in your career, as you are stepping out and taking those risks. So what are they? So I would say first... Um, Establish your foundation, right? For me, it's being a servant leader. That's kind of where I base all of my values on. It, it blossoms out of my, my faith in Christ. So really being that servant leader. Then going back to the uh, a moving ship is easier to steer than one that's dead in the water. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't mm -hmm. be afraid to take risks. Step out of the boat. Go out and try to do something. Do it in the right way. And know another quote for me is Winston Churchill's quote that success is defined as the ability to go from failure to failure without a loss of enthusiasm. Oh, so <laughs> that's, I love that one. I'll grab that one. That's, Thank that's you. That's just always important. Always mm -hmm. be willing to take risks. Um, then prepare yourself. So for me, I had to go back to school. It was, yeah. not, it was not a convenient time. Nobody it was had. not a good thing in, that I had planned, mm -hmm. but it was a necessary thing. So be prepared and then when you're, then be willing to wait. So prepare yourself have all the ability, the knowledge that you need, and then when the time comes up, you'll be ready to do what you need to do to be successful. Um, and then finally, find what needs to be done, create a solution to it, and then go do it, and do it right. <laughs> I love that. That's a great closure to the show. Heather, thank you so much. This I've learned something I know our listeners have, and we all love quotes. We all love those little jewels of wisdom that you've had to learn through life. You know, if we could just, I've always said, if we could go back, live life backwards, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would be great. We would be so smart. Uh, so you're a grandmother. You be sure and tell your grandchildren. Now, listen, listen to me because I've already mm -hmm. got the scars to prove it. And so yeah. I might have a few little We sit on that front porch swing and talk about it. Do you? We do. That's awesome. I love that. Thanks so much for being Thank on the show. Thank you for inviting me. I've loved it. I think this is a great opportunity, and I appreciate being invited. All right. And we will see you next time. <laughs>